Welcome to New York Comic Con 2017. My name is Rachel Davis. With me is the living legend, Marjorie Liu. <laughs> oh, I sound so old. <laughs> no, like youthful goddess living legend. Are you kidding me? You look better than me. Are you kidding me? <laughs> but, and you're listening to Comic First also. Yay. <laughs> Hi, Marjorie. How's Hi. your con going? It's going yeah. great. How about you? Going really well. I'm yeah. so excited to interview you, and I'm sure our listeners are too. So oh, That's very kind. Let's go there. Okay, so Marjorie. Um, I'm sure you talk a lot about how you transitioned from training to be a lawyer to becoming a creative writer and storyteller. Um, was creative writing something you were always passionate about or something you found after finding that being a lawyer wasn't for you? You did fan fiction at one point. If I'm, I'm I did. Right. I did fan fiction for many years, basically in college and law school. But as to your first question, um, I was always passionate about reading first. I was a very passionate reader. And because of that, I, you know, I fell in love with words. And so I don't think I started out wanting to, to be a writer, but because I love reading so much and because I love stories, I began to want to tell my own stories. To, I think to become like more deeply invested like in the fiction I was reading, like I would start telling, I guess early on I was, I was creating fan fiction in my head about my favorite novels and things like that. But that originally, that, like it's, it was originally sort of just based off of fairy tales and things like that. But then as I got older, and by older I mean by the time I was like 10 or 11, I was dreaming up my own original like stories, my own original adventures. But I was a kid who lived really deeply in my imagination. And I think that, um, and that, and that writing, being a creative writer, was just a way for me to, um, to do more of that. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for that. I was the same way as a kid. Yeah. So. Um, for Montress, you can arguably say that there are heavy feudal Japan and other Asian culture influences imbued in the writing. Is this for any particular um, reason for the story or just a personal affinity? Why did you choose those kind of influences? Oh, wow. Well, I mean, I'm mixed race. I'm half Chinese. And, um, and I uh, spent a ton of time growing up you know, with my Chinese family. And it just felt natural. Like, growing up, I never read any epic fantasies. I was obsessed with epic fantasy. But I never read any epic fantasies that I, I felt like um, portrayed, I don't know, that I felt like had us, had like sort of any Asian themes as something more than just like stereotype or um, sort of like a backdrop of like to give, to give a book like exotic, an exotic taste. And we're not just some exotic taste, right? And so, um, and so, and I, there were never any Asian protagonists in the epic fantasies, anyone that I could really identify with. Like, I would imagine these characters as being mixed race like me, but, but I knew that on paper they were being written as white. And so I really wanted to create something that both reflected, you know, what I would have loved to see as a, as a young woman of color, you know, a mixed race protagonist, a world in which everyone is mixed race or a person of color. Um, and I wanted to see, you know, a fantasy world that took in all these hybridic elements of Asia, you know, that I was, all these elements that I was familiar with because of my childhood and the, you know, and my travels and, and put that in a fantasy in a very real, um, real way that wasn't just, um, a cliche. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm half black and half white and mm -hmm. 
I almost wanted to cry. I, this isn't going to make the final cut, but thank you <laughs> no, for what you're you. doing. Thank I you. know exactly what you're saying. Thank you. Okay, so back to the interview. <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I believe I read somewhere that you knew about the X-Men because of the animated TV show you better, and fan fiction. <laughs> you better believe it. Yeah. I watched the cartoon in the 90s. Oh, that theme song. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness, yeah. yes. <laughs> And so that was kind of a jumping off point for your work under Marvel, like for X-23. Do you think X-23 might be your favorite X-Men, or do you feel strongly about any other? Oh, wow, it's hard. You know, I think, I think X-23 is my favorite X-Men. I think she's definitely the one that I identify with the most. Um, before her, I would have said that I identified um, most with Jubilee, because she was, again, this Asian-American like, character in a sea of whiteness. And I, when I saw her in the cartoon, I was like, oh my gosh, she's like a Californian, like mall rat, Asian American kid. And, you know, I was from the West Coast and I was like, oh, damn, like, I love her. Like, I love her. And so it would be a hard toss up between Jubilee and X-23. I mean, I love Jubilee for what she meant to me growing up. But X-23 is a character when I wrote her, I really identify so strongly with her because I felt like that this was a young woman. Um, like many young women who had been raised to believe that she was supposed to be one thing and that her that she, you know and that her choice had been stripped from her and that her journey was one of learning how to make choices for herself and learning how to discover her own agency and to become her own person and i think that's something that a lot of young women um, well young animals still have to wrestle with Absolutely, yeah. yes. And now, what was your opinion on Logan? I'm going off script now, yeah. but what were your the, thoughts on Logan and the relationship there? I, I really enjoyed Logan. Um, and I really, I, I really love seeing um, X-23 on the big screen. Um, I, you know, I'm an, I'm an old softie, so the ending was, was, a, was you know, I, maybe I, I probably would have suggested a different ending, but that's just because I'm an old softie. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Um, it appears that you're now teaching a class on comic book storytelling at MIT. Yes. Um, did you think that would go through such a transformation from lawyer to writer to teacher? I mean, you've had quite a journey. I, if you had told me um, back in 2003 that I would be a novelist, a comic book writer, and a teacher at MIT, a lecturer, I would have said you're crazy. Like that, that would have been a fantasy, an absolute, way more of a fantasy than the X-Men. <laughs> I was like, no, that's not possible. You're more likely to get amantium claws than become You better a believe it. You better believe it. Yeah. Wow. Um, what have you learned about yourself through the success of your writing and comic books, and through being a creator and owning your own creation through Monstrous? Wow. What have I learned about myself? Yeah. Oh wow. Um, I mean, what I've learned is something that, you know, it's in some ways it's a lesson that's been reinforced over and over again throughout my life, which is that you never stop learning. You never stop learning. That as soon as you think you've, you've got something nailed down, um, life will come along and show you that, no, you still have a lot more to learn, whether it's writing, whether it's um, just living, like your day-to-day -day life. You know, whether it's um, your personal relationships, like um, life keeps throwing you curveballs, and some of them are really amazing curveballs, and you know, and you just go with the flow. And some are like not so amazing, but you go with the flow and you learn from them, and you come out stronger on the other side. 
And that was the case for me when writing Monsters, because even though I'd written the X-Men, I'd written all these comics for Marvel, I, I was lulled into a false sense of security where I thought I knew my shit when it came to writing comics. Like, I thought I knew what to do. And the truth was I didn't, because writing the X-Men was very different. It was from writing my own creator, own comic. Writing the X-Men was all about playing in, in someone else's sandbox and writing in a world that had already been made um, and that was pretty similar to our own. But Monstrous is its own creation. Monstrous is an epic fantasy. And I had to relearn how to write comics and how to, I had to relearn how to tell stories in the comic book medium in a way that would allow me to, to create this world and these characters. Yeah. Uh, do we have time for one more question? I'm uh, sorry. Just if it's quick, one more. Thank yeah. you. Um, you seem to write fantasy and action very well and using that genre as a framework for bigger issues like racism, prejudice, bodily and government exploitation. Do you use this genre purposely or do you feel that your discussion of these issues are the most important? Oh, I love fantasy. I love fantasy. But at the same time, um, fantasy is, is a very useful tool of estrangement. And so, you know, yes, like Monstrous is filled with um, some very difficult themes, you know, themes about race, themes about colonialism, slavery, misogyny, patriarchy. But because it's cast in a fantasy world, it's, I think, easier, not just for the reader, but for me as an artist to, to think about these things. Because if I tried myself to write a straight up, like, novel set in this world about these ideas, I think I personally would have a very difficult time. But it's, it's, you know, so even as an artist, it's easier for me to think about these things with a level of estrangement, you know, to put them in terms of fantasy, put them in terms of witches and talking cats. And the ideas are still there. But again, it's like couched in magic. And, uh, you know, and, um, and that's a very useful tool. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time, Marjorie. I Thank you. Thank you. For more interviews as well as reviews, analyses, and other content, make sure to check out comicsfirst.com. My name is Rachel Davis, and I'll see you next time.